it's a great day for everyone because I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired of seeing people get ripped off. I'm tired of seeing these college athletes being ripped off. That was Warriors basketball star Draymond Green praising California's new law allowing college athletes to earn money from endorsements and any number of other things. Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Yes, John, you know, one of the things that was so unusual about the signing of this law was that Governor Gavin Newsom signed it while on LeBron James's show on HBO called The Shop. Right, sitting in a barber chair right next to him. Yeah, I can't imagine Governor Brown doing something like that. So uh, another sign of the new era that we've entered with Gavin Newsom as governor. Yeah, it's fascinating legislation, Lewis, amid threats of retribution by the NCAA against California universities, the new law will mark a sea change in what student athletes are allowed to earn. We'll be talking with the principal author of the bill, State Senator Nancy Skinner. And we'll also talk about the most significant changes to California's decades-old charter school law. After months of intensive negotiations, Governor Newsom signed the legislation this week. The signing ceremony was notable in its own way. It brought together an apparent peace and harmony the chief antagonists in a long-running fight over charter schools, that is the heads of the California Charter Schools Association and the California Teachers Association. But first, let's talk about the college athletes and the law that Senator Skinner and her colleagues approved. The law takes a direct hit at the amateur status of college athletes. For decades, prominent athletes and others like Harry Edwards, who was a very well-known sociology professor at UC Berkeley, have argued that athletes deserve compensation beyond the scholarships that they may earn in return for the billions of dollars collectively that colleges have made off their labor on the field and in the gym. California is now the first state to challenge those rules, and in a big way. The new law says athletes can seek product endorsements and hire their own sports agents to represent them. That's another NCAA prohibition. To discuss that and other aspects of the bill, we're pleased to have Senator Nancy Skinner on the line. Senator Skinner, one of the things that I noticed about the bill was that it was approved unanimously by the California legislature, both houses. That's kind of unusual, isn't it? It's very rare to have a bill where virtually unanimous, no, no votes. So my Republican colleagues, my Democratic colleagues, my Northern California, Southern California, Central Valley, didn't matter. They all supported it. Unbelievable. How, how, do, how do you explain that? Because this is so long time in coming, people just universally understand that this multi-billion dollar industry of college sports makes money for everybody involved, but the very talent that generates the wealth, and that's the students. Initially, when we started the conversation, a lot of my colleagues were afraid about the impact on the colleges, but when they realized that the bill does not require colleges to pay the athletes. It is purely giving the athlete the right to their name, image, and likeness, which everyone else has. And the only reason the athlete doesn't have it is because they sign a waiver to the NC2A that eliminates that right. So as soon as that was understood, then everybody supported it, at least uh, everybody except the colleges. Well, let me ask you about that, because there were some heavy hitters here in California. I mean, the California State University was against it. Where did the University of California come down on this? We had the CSU system, the UC system, Stanford, USC, basically all the colleges opposed the bill. 
And when we tried to understand why, I mean, there were various reasons they gave, but it seemed that it came down to that they were fearful that if the students were able to make some money off their names, image, and likeness, that somehow that would hurt the revenue to the college. But, you know, I just don't think that's the case. There's so much money in the college sports industry. I think there's plenty to go around. We're talking with Senator Nancy Skinner, who is the principal author of Senate Bill 206, which will allow student athletes to get sponsorships. And how else could they benefit, Senator Skinner? Well, you take the example of that brilliant UCLA gymnast, Caitlin Ohashi. She had 60 million YouTube viewers. There is nobody on the planet who has that level of YouTube viewers who isn't making money off it, yet she could not. So this would allow a entrepreneurial student to, you know, market YouTube videos. It would allow for the hometown hero, you're in a small town, you're the high school champ, your local car dealership, for example, or your Rotary Club could sponsor you. Or you might have the few elite athletes that get the big, big endorsements. But mostly it just, for example, under NC2A rules, a swimmer is forbidden from teaching swimming lessons. My bill changes all of that. Well, one of the concerns that has been raised is that all the money now will be going to sort of the big schools. I mean, uh, you know, UCLA's, USC's, Stanford's, Cal Berkeley to a certain extent, and that smaller schools which don't have very strong athletic programs and don't have the big names will suffer. That seems so odd to me because we already see that really elite athletes tend to go to certain schools. That's been the case for years. So this isn't going to change that. And in fact, now a student could choose any school and know that they could market their own image and likeness. I also understand that the way the bill is written, it only goes into effect in 2023. You're open to reforming this? I understand there's an NC2A report that's due on this whole issue. Is that correct? Well, we put in the date of 2023 because we wanted to give plenty of time for the colleges to adjust and for the NC2A if they choose, and I hope they do, to do the right thing and provide this right to every student across the country. But now we have 13 states, 13 have already either indicated they're introducing a bill or they have introduced a bill. So you've got 13 states other than California who are going to act. And personally, if their bills go into effect before 2023, you'll see me introducing new legislation to have our bill go into effect faster. But is that one of the reasons you put in 2023 is to kind of give other states a chance potentially to do what California is doing? Because obviously having a uniform system across the whole country would make a lot more sense than California being the outlier, although obviously a very significant one. Well, in a way, it was also kind of calling NC2A's bluff because they have had workforces or task forces on this question multiple times, and they have adjusted a little bit here. They let basketball players, for example, get agents if they know that there's going to be an NBA draft. They let tennis players take home once a year a $10,000 purse. But it's just a little reform here, a little reform there. It's not uniform. It doesn't benefit every athlete. And we just felt like, okay, we're going to call the question. Now NC2A, the ball's in their court. They have the power to fix this, to do the right thing, and provide this benefit to every athlete across the country. I just have to say, Senator Skinner, you aren't exactly associated as a big sports fan or having taken up issues like this. I know you kind of have been in the trenches on environmental issues and so on over the years. How come you sort of took this issue on? How did that happen? Well, I actually am a sports fan, but independent of that, 
I, I was a student activist. And when I was at UC Berkeley, I heard Harry Edwards give a lecture about the Black Olympic boycott. And it was all around the exploitation of black student athletes. And so I looked at it first, way back as a civil rights issue. And when I started thinking more about athletes, I thought, you know, they're generating all of this wealth for the universities, and they're really not getting a fair shake. So originally, I felt like all athletes should be just paid. The bill doesn't do that. You know, maybe someday there'll be a movement around that, but it really, what it does is just give students, athletes, the same right every other student has, which is to their own name, image, and likeness, and their ability to use it and make money the way a music student would, a computer science student would, whoever. Been talking with Senator Nancy Skinner, author of this landmark law that will definitely change college sports in California and possibly across the entire country. There's a tidal wave right now happening. Thanks for talking with us today, and I look forward to staying in touch as this unfolds. Excellent. Thank you. So, Lewis, what do you think of the bill, and will there be repercussions? Well, it's great to see California taking a bold stand on an issue like this that has been simmering for so many years. I think one of the things that's really going to make a difference is the extent to which other states come on board. If this is a tidal wave, then uh, the NCAA is going to have to bow to reality, and uh, we'll move to a new system. But if it's only California, they'll presumably try to put up some breaks. But even then, that's going to be difficult, given the size of California, the media markets here, and so on. From what I read, New York could be next, and there are a lot of schools and a lot of people in that state. I do have to say, I wonder how this will play itself out with smaller colleges or sports that are not very prominent, whether the money now that does have to be distributed across athletic programs, whether there may be some impact on those kinds of sports. So there's definitely something to keep an eye on there. I was wondering the same thing. New York's bill would actually take 15% of the money that schools get and distribute it to athletes. And I was thinking, how are they going to do that? I think certainly as far as many athletes are concerned, this is way overdue. And as Senator Skinner said, we now have three years to see how the NCAA responds, how many other states come on board. And as Senator Skinner said, how many other states come on board, they may actually accelerate the timeline. Let's shift gears now, John, to the new law on charter schools that Governor Newsom signed this week. It took intensive negotiations, and based on the governor's comments, it seems like he was himself much more directly involved than I think many of us were aware of. I was really moved, actually, to see Mirna Castrejon, who is head of the California Charter Schools Association, standing right next to Toby Boyd, the new head of the California Teachers Association. I mean, obviously, more battles to come on this front, but certainly seemed like progress. Well, you weren't the only one to observe that. Let's hear from the governor as to why he thought this was such an important process. This is what it's about, it. And I say it more broadly, this is what governing's about. It's not what campaigns are about. It's not what politics is about. It's what policymaking is about. Um, This is about the hard, gritty work of actually doing something, moving the needle and making a difference. And I think this effort, we are making a difference to millions and millions of kids that were the direct line and then indirectly impacted by some of these tangential disputes uh, that continued to fester and became front and center in our public education debate. I thought the process was quite unusual, really remarkable. Governor Brown had eight years to try and reach some understanding about the objections that have been raised about the charter schools. And his position was no changes to the law. So you knew when he retired 
that there would be a tremendous groundswell by California Teachers Association and school districts to really change the law. And so Newsom walked into this as a new governor, and all of a sudden he was surrounded by this very divisive issue. But rather than wait, he jumped in, he and his staff, and very much tried to reach a compromise, recognizing that there were some changes that need to occur to the law, at the same time protecting the right of charter schools to continue to thrive. And I do have to say that there was this controversial charter task force that Superintendent Tony Thurman basically pulled together and and spearheaded, at least moderated all the discussions. There was a lot of internal conflict on that panel, as you wrote about, John. But in hindsight, it looked like the task force did provide a forum for all sides to kind of talk directly and work through some of those issues. So that seemed like a valuable exercise that contributed to this final outcome. Yeah, I think there are actual elements than the recommendations that they made that are in the law. One of the things I'm going to be interested in is how this one big provision of the bill, which allows school districts now to take the financial impact of charter schools on districts' finances into account when somebody applies to open a charter school. That could be a game changer. I know the charter school folks are very afraid of that. The school districts will use that as an excuse, basically not to open new charter schools. So uh, one of the big things to watch. The governor said he'll watch the implementation of the law the next couple years, and if adjustments have to be made, then they will be. Another thing that happened this week was that California's newest college came online, literally online. This is Calbright College, which is California's first all-online college. We're very pleased to have Ashley Smith in the studio with us. Ashley is Ed Source's reporter that has been tracking Calbright College and the opening this week. So, uh, Ashley, how did it go? I would say that Calbright's launch went really well this week. They saw more than 700 people apply for the college. They got about 400 people enrolled on the very first day. That sounds pretty good. I bet it's not like the thousands of students that attend most colleges in California. So how come there was such a small number? This is something that is completely new for the colleges. Uh, It's a different type of learning that they're offering. And they also want to start very small because it is so different. So they did cap enrollment at 400 people. But the expectation is that this will grow to offer an education to tens of thousands of students. Well, they're only applying to a couple courses, right? Remind us what those are. Yes, there are three programs. They are non-credit and they will lead to an industry-based certification. The three programs are medical coding, information technology, and cybersecurity. The community colleges do offer a bunch of online courses already. So what is unusual about this? Is it the type of student they try to reach, or what's unusual about it? What's unusual about these programs is the way that they're offering them. They're using a type of learning where students are self-paced. They learn on their own time. It's based off of the skills that they need in the workplace. So they won't receive grades. There are no credit hours involved. It's just a completely different way of educating students. I remember Governor Brown talking about that this was supposed to reach what he called stranded workers. What are those? 
These are people between the ages of 25 and 34 who are underemployed. They work jobs where they're not earning a living wage or they're just not employed at all. So a couple of these intrepid folks are already starting? Yes. The interesting thing about Calbright's start is that 11 people already were enrolled and participating in a course in the very first day. They can continue to work uh, on their own time and go about a typical full-time workday while attending class. Are there any professors here yet? Yes, they do have some part-time instructors hired, and they are hiring more full-time instructors in the upcoming weeks. We did talk with Chancellor Eloy Oakley, who's the chancellor for the entire system, and he is really saying, let's go slow, let's give this college time to ramp up, and really examine how these this first cohort of students do before kind of nailing down how this thing is going to operate. Yes, because this is something completely new and different for the public community college system, they want to first understand what are the needs of these stranded workers, of these adult learners. So they're going to be watching very closely how often they're participating in the programs, which programs generate interest, and uh, establishing a relationship with these students so they know what their needs are. I do have to ask you, though, there has been some opposition to this college. Has that gone away, or where do things stand? The opposition is still there, particularly from uh, one faculty union group. A major faculty union. A major faculty union group. California Federation of Teachers, right, represents tens of thousands of community college workers. Yes. The community colleges do offer online programs. Some of them do offer this type of learning. And they have been outspoken in saying that the funding that has gone to Calbright would be better served by going to the existing colleges. I guess we'll just have to see how that plays itself out. Yes, we'll have to see. Well, thanks so much. We've been talking with Ashley Smith, our reporter covering Calbright College, and looking forward to hearing more as this all unfolds. Yes, thanks, Lewis. Thanks, John. That wraps it up for this week's podcast. Thanks to our sponsors, the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Our music is from Nate Schwartz Jazz Orchestra. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.